You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Barbara Morris-Blake. She is CEO and founder of Elevate Organizations. They help companies with culture, with leadership. We're going to talk to her about the work they do and how they've worked with service companies. I'm excited for this. I always love speaking with people who are also organizational consultants, coaches, helping companies figure out how they're going to improve, how they're going to grow and scale. So many different facets, so many things go into making a company successful and their organizational design, their leadership is a huge part of that. Barbara's also done some interesting research. We're going to talk about that. Always looking for insights and always looking for things that people are learning about the complexities of business. And, and companies. So with that, Barbara, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Why don't we start with a little bit of background? Let's get to know you and the work that you've done. Give us a little bit of your, your journey so far. Professionally, what have you been focused on? Tell us about Elevate Organizations and the background. Well, we started in executive search about 20 years ago and then transitioned into leadership development. And now we've got a great team where we look at culture, improving culture, leadership development, and talent optimization. We all have sort of a purpose. Each one of us has a purpose. Mine is trying to make people happier at work. We have, uh, I say, Drew on my team would look at how to make organizations more effective. We also each have something that we bring that's our passion, and then we interweave our experiences and our expertise to be able to offer full-service improvement for our, our clients. Yeah. And how, I guess, when did you found the company? Tell us a little story of how you actually decided to start this company and what was the impetus to get it going? Well, I started an executive search, which I loved, um, yeah. at, you know, 20 some odd years ago and um, loved executive search. But my clients were coming to me with their formas, asking me about this and that. And, you know, before we got, uh, got to, you know, too far down the conversation, I realized I was coaching them. So I thought, well, if I'm coaching them, (laughs) I better, I better be able to to charge for this. So I went back and got a certification from the Adler School of Professional Coaching in Toronto. Um, And I graduated in 2003. I was the second cohort going through the program. In those days, coaching was just a brand new profession. Not like now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely evolved over time. As you've uh, made the switch from recruiting to more of the consulting coaching side of things, like how, I guess, what have you had to change about your skill set, your approach, mindset, leadership capabilities? Tell me about your own kind of personal development. Well, you know, from my own perspective, I, um, I just had this understanding that we could do better in organizations. And it came from yeah. interviewing. I interviewed over 10,000 people. Wow. Yeah, and I probably coached over 1,000. So, I, you know, understanding what people were saying and being able to hear 
someone I was what was interviewing and be able to, you know, early in the conversation kind of go, oh, I can exactly see what's going on in that organization. <laughs> yeah. and, and realizing that the fixes are not that complicated, right? I think, you know, we, we think about changing a culture, for example. Just the little things can make such a difference. So I, I went from sort of this has to be really complicated, I need to get a lot of education to do this, um, to... You know what? It's understanding people and understanding organizations, and, and tweak, little tweaks can make such a difference. Yeah. And then, of course, I you know studied my study like crazy. I'm doing a, an MBA right now in coaching and management, uh-huh. um, which is just you know learning even deeper skills to yeah. be able to bring that to my clients. Yeah, yeah, and also as time has evolved too. You know, as when I first started. Culture was different than it is now because of the generations. You know, we've got the, so many younger people in the organizations, which changes the culture, which is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that because I we've I think there's a lot of discussion. I'll call it discussion. Sometimes it's productive and insightful. Sometimes it's a little bit more bellyaching <laughs> about, you know, kind of younger generations and how they show up in the workplace and, you know, struggles, intergenerational workplace dynamics and conflicts and friction and things like that. I mean, I guess how much are you seeing or focusing on that kind of generational differences aspect of the workplace these days? Well, it's always been there. I think people forget that. It's always been there. You know, a research we did years ago showed that it wasn't the gen, you know, the boomer generation that was having the problem. It's the ones behind us because we had an easier time. I'm a boomer. We had an easier time just because there was, you know, exponential growth and not enough people to fill roles. Yeah. But then we didn't leave early, right? There's lots of people. <laughs> you stuck around too long. <laughs> we stuck around too long. Uh, party's over. <laughs> the party's over. So the generation behind us, they they just don't have the same patience for the younger generations within the organization. And part of it is because our generation feels slightly responsible for the fact that, you know, whatever the stereotypes of the younger, the youngest generations are. Although I've got to say, out of the survey that we've just recently, it's actually active right now, we're in the middle of um, doing it. I'm doing it with Servature, which is out of the University of Tennessee. It's an amazing uh, methodology. It's worth taking a look at. But we um, we've been asking people, you know, questions on on happiness during the pandemic and what their situation is during the pandemic. And what's interesting is the the younger people are actually having a, a much more difficult time than say over forty five. They're hurting more than than uh, over forty five, which is interesting. I think. And why why do you think that is? Like, what's the what's the underlying assumptions there? I think that there's just more responsibility, and you know, I mean, you hardly ever hear anyone say, "I'm not busy," right? Huh, yeah. um, and then you you know you take the stress of the pandemic and all the other things that are falling out of the organizations as a result of that. You know, one of the other insights that we saw is. Not being able to trust your team or having team accountability causes people a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's just, you know, it's the, it's the pandemic, it's the, resp- the extra responsibilities they have, working from home, just women trying to, and men, but, you know, we always think of women as being sort of the, you know, the, the uh, primary yeah. um, provider, but that's not necessarily true. Yeah. 
But yeah, so we, I think it's just a, a culmination of a lot of things. And how, I'm curious on the research that you do, like how have you incorporated research? How do you decide what research to do? How do you use it in the work that you do with companies? Give us a little more insight there. Oh, I'm a research nerd, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give me a, give me some data and I'm as happy as a clam. Um, I started doing research years ago when I was still doing executive search and realized I could take what I, that understanding and it would help my clients. So I've always, you know, this has sort of been an ongoing thing with me. I worked with Leger Marketing in Toronto. They were a client of mine and they were gracious enough to, we could co-develop uh, surveys together. And I've always done that. So, you know, out of the survey we're doing right now, there's some pretty interesting findings. It's a little early to, to you know, disclose them all, but mm-hmm. those are going to help organizations. We'll be able to go in and say, here's what we found out. The other thing is this survey, which has a really unique quality, is a company, I can send a company a link mm-hmm. and they get their own results as well as being able to see the pooled results. And there's oh, no charge for that. They don't charge me anything for that. So I can oh. I can look at, you know, your company and say, okay, you're a professional services firm. Oh. Um, you have, you know, let's say you have 10 leaders. Let's find out what's going on with them and then be able to compare them to the general population. It's pretty cool. Oh, interesting. And, and how, like, what can you do with those insights? So, like, what, what is the change you can evoke? Yeah. So, one of the things that came out of the, so far in the research is that, uh, Clear job responsibilities seems to be an issue, which is, I think, <laughs> and I can understand why. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, when you think about, you know, in, a, in an office setting, you, you know, you grab your coffee and, you know, you see uh, your boss in the hallway and he might say or she might say, um, hey, you know, have you have you thought about this or have you done that? Or, you know, somebody we're going to move somebody off of this project. Would you like it? Like it's more that flowy conversation that you just don't get when you're working from home and on Zoom calls, which have become very choppy lately. Everyone's Zoom calls seem to be a little choppy. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that's a, a really, really uh, important finding. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say probably a third of all the organizational challenges I run into with my clients, you know, stem from in some way unclear roles and responsibility or, you know, how we do measure success. It just seems like such a fundamental difficulty in most organizations. I think that's that's universal, right? It's yeah. like you, people make the assumption that someone's supposed to know what they're supposed to do, but uh-huh. it doesn't always work that way. Another thing that would help an organization from what we've seen so far is that men, males, tend uh-huh. to want more support by their peers and women more support by their supervisors. Those are really easy fixes, right? I mean, support by the peers, you can just encourage, you know, mentoring, pairing. There's lots of sort of activity you can offer people, you know, give them a set of questions and ask them to pair up and come back. I mean, there's so, that's such easy, non-rocket science things you can do. Support by supervisors, send off to, you know, a supervisor, hey, you know, here's a schedule for you to connect in. Like, there's easy things you can you can do. So does that mean, so that mean if you are, so if I'm a manager and I have a direct report who's a female, that I, 
that I could assume or, or I should focus on more one-on-one time and you know providing support and feedback and, and coaching, mentoring, versus if I have a male direct report, I should be finding ways to helping them connect with their colleagues in a structured way to help give them that support? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And when, like, when would I, how would I know whether to follow that rule or break that rule for a given individual? I think it's very simple. You ask. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, this is, this is one of the reasons I love surveys. And when we start doing work in an organization, we always start with gathering data. We never yeah. go in with, because we, we know it just doesn't work. Every organization is, you know, an entity unto themselves. They have their yeah. own culture, their own history, their own people. You know, we ask some pretty important questions before we can, diagnose, you know, we have to do a diagnostic diagnosis, mm-hmm. you know, before uh, writing the prescription. Yeah. What kind of, like, and I'm curious what kind of questions you typically ask or types of questions you typically ask. Well, for, we do a lot of teamwork because a lot of this starts at the leadership team, right? Yeah. So, or the executive team. So if there's, we know there's a problem within the organization and they can't put their finger on it, we always start with the executive team. So we would ask questions about, you know, what their experience is, is within the team. And we look at things like accountability, trust. We measure all of these very important elements of a team. Um, do they, you know, is everyone got an equal voice? You know, do people feel safe? Like psychological safety within a team is really important. You know, those kinds of questions. And then we ask them to rate the team. You know, on a scale of one to ten, how would you? Rate? And then, if if out of that we see that there's some issues around the CEO, we'll do the we'll last for uh, three sixty mm-hmm. on the three sixty feedback on the CEO, and that way we can start building competencies for the CEO while at the same time we're trying to you know identify what's going on within the culture. It also depends. We start there too because culture is a big word, right? Yeah. You know, do we want to have a culture of innovation? Do we want to have, you know, more of the the relationship culture? Is you know, do we want to focus mostly on the on the uh, clients? What what exactly is the you know is the culture you're you're trying to identify? And then we can drill right down into do we have the right people too? You know, we've got these, and I know you're familiar with them. Um, predictive index. Yeah. You know, we can drill right down. We use another tool called Lumina Learning, which is a, a pretty fascinating tool that can identify people's personality preferences and mm-hmm. and how people want to be related to and all that good stuff. So yeah, I mean we have to get that team at the top working. We can do all the work from there down. And if that team's not working, it's not going to stick. Yeah. I'm curious how you how do you go from the raw data to kind of the insights to a real plan of action? Because I always find that I mean every organization has a, a list of problems that's longer than an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, right? Like it's there's just always issues in kind of companies, but not all the issues are solvable. Not all the issues, if solved, would actually benefit the company or be meaningful. You know, have meaningful impact. Like how do you go through that process of finding the data, analyzing the data, deciding on the potential actions, and then prioritizing them from an actual engagement point of view? That's a really great question. And that's a bit complicated to answer, but I'll, I'll look at it this way. We want to make sure that what we're pulling out is relevant to what the organization wants in the long run. Yeah. Because that's, that's the most important thing. If they want a three-year aggressive growth strategy and we're focused on making sure that people you know, are that their you know their their chairs are comfortable. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not going to get them what they need, and yeah. they won't. Ha- and we want to focus on those. That's what they want. Then that's a totally different fit. 
and the questions we ask will be different too. Right? So we, you know, when you say about pulling out the insights, sometimes the insights come from the questions that you ask. We do not, we don't uh, use the same questionnaire for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So we want to be sure that we know what we're asking, so we know the answer, so we know how to fix it. And fixing is maybe not the right word. It's maybe just more about developing. Yeah. You know, everything's really adjusting. adjusting and developing. You know, that's really where we're at for. Yeah. Maybe we should be thought of as, as organizational chiropractors rather than uh, <laughs> consultants. It's like, where do we need little adjustments here and there? Oh, I love uh, that. That is so cool. Yeah. So, you know, when we think about it in our, from when we, you know, get together to brainstorm as a group, we think that, you know, we go in with the right questions. So we find out what they want in the end. And sometimes they don't know. I mean, Bruce, you you know, you're in, you're in our senior oh, yeah. They don't know what the problem, they just know things are not well. Or, yeah. you know, I've had, I've had organizations, there was one in Toronto that I worked with for a while and their sales were just flat and they didn't know why. Right? So it took a little bit of an investigation to find out what was going on there to be able to then fix it. Yeah. And the problem, the, the issue there was the cross, the cross-functional teams were just not working. Yeah. It, was, it was really all about, in that case, it was all about cross-functional functional issues. They just didn't understand each other. They, it was sort of like a hate-on for each group. Well, it's hard to build sales when you're in that situation because the uh, customer service wasn't aligned with sales. Finance wasn't aligned with sales. No one yeah. was aligned with sales. You know? And meanwhile, what happened is that frustration the head of sales left and then a new head of sales came in and then they left and then a new head of sales came in and they left. Yeah. Right? So it was Cycle all about through. sales, sales, the problem sales. Well, the problem wasn't actually sales, you know, and then as soon as that problem was fixed and that was actually not a hard fix, you know, in that case, we did a couple of town halls, which were fun and team building. And, you know, at one point we, uh, we kind of adopted a community. That was the language was around community. And we, um, we had this really cool offsite where we put people into groups, cross-functional groups within their, you know, the, mm-hmm. the organization was probably about 300 people. And we had, I, think there may, I can't remember how many in each group, but we had, we had them answer the question about how they could make the organization more community-based. And then they all presented it back, and it was li- literally it was a kumbaya moment. Yeah, and it stuck. Yeah. Well, I always find like the I think at some level there's an assumption I kind of have, or or kind of a philosophy I guess I have is that you know the companies have the solutions. <laughs> you know, it's usually a function of either they don't know what the they haven't articulated the problem well enough, or, or they haven't they haven't really kind of articulated like where do they want to be in the future. And then once you kind of figure those things out, they can typically solve a lot of these problems themselves, or they have the capacity to deal with a lot of these issues. It's just it's kind of a question of framing and clarification of goal and clarification of, of what you want to have in the future. And then that usually or or will help, you know, a company really kind of figure out, oh, okay, then this is what we need to do. Oh, no, Bruce, they need us. <laughs> <laughs> well, they need us to answer those questions. <laughs> but I, like I always joke as a coach, like I'm like, I don't do anything as a coach, right? Like I'm, I'm there to just facilitate the process, you know, ask the right questions, enable the right conversation, set up the right ground rules, you know, so they can have the conversation between themselves because that's really what needs to happen. I mean, I, I, yes, I probably know what the solutions are, but it doesn't matter what I know. It's what they know right. <laughs> until they, until they learn that and start doing something with it. It's like, you know, that's really where the change starts to happen. Right. One of, uh, one of my guys on the team, David McCulley, he did his PhD thesis on psychological safety 
and yeah. in, in the organization. It was really interesting. But what was also interesting is the survey that we're in the, in the middle of doing. Um, these are all leaders. The survey is for leaders. And yet one of the requests was around management, improving management skills. Isn't that interesting? They're already managers and they're asking, we ask them basically, how can, the, how can your organization support you at this time? And mm-hmm. uh, they, the, the workload, of course, and clear job responsibilities were way up there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then communication, which is always an interesting I think we're learning new communication skills going through mm-hmm. this. And then, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And then management training. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are already managers. I find that pretty fascinating. And I think that really means that, you know, they're not feeling that they're being managed properly and they just don't mm-hmm. have the skills to manage, you know, during a difficult time. So, in, and yeah. David um, on my team, this is his thing. He loves virtual training. You have to be a certain kind of person who who, uh, who can read body language through a you know an inch screen, you know, you're an inch picture on your screen. But um, so you know that's that could be a fix for some organization is to yeah. improve you know that that management level. I had a I had a um, builder uh, last year who was growing quite quickly. You know the market the mm-hmm. uh, the housing market's been crazy, and. Um, so we'd have people that in the, the training that had only been working like four or five years and they were in management training programs, right? So um, mm-hmm. they'd be, they would never have had that opportunity if they weren't in an industry that was growing so quickly. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I find the, the high growth companies, you know, companies that are in growth industries and that are growing themselves, you know, all, all of these things just get exacerbated, right? Like if you double the size of a company, you know, if you had a little bit of communication challenge or a little bit of lack of role clarity, you know, that's going to magnify a hundred times, you know, through through that doubling effort or through, you know, when a company, you know, grows like that. What, what are, I mean, I guess as you work with companies, how how do you help them kind of plot the future or, you know, plot a course for addressing some of these things sooner rather than later so that they don't, so you're trying to get ahead of some of these things before they run into problems, you know, through the growth process. Yeah. So prioritizing is probably the most important. And, uh, yeah. and I think, you know, what happens often is that this, the C level, there's not, it, they don't agree on the priority prioritization. So yeah. we work with them on that, you know, and, and we, we, we tie it to the plan, you know, um, the 90 day, uh, you know, one year, three year, five year, 10 year, and see, you know, that it has, they have to all agree on the priorities or, or, or we end up spinning our wheels and they end up, you know, being frustrated that they're not moving quickly yeah. enough. Well, you know, you have, can't move off the priorities unless there's a good reason for it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. How, um, and I guess, what are you noticing in, in sort of today's world? I know we're kind of, we're recording this uh, in end of January of 2021. We've been kind of through the, the 2020, you know, year, which was a bit challenging. We still have challenges to go. I mean, what, what are you seeing that's coming up for a lot of these organizations? What are they having to focus on, you know, as they're kind of navigating the change and, you know, pandemic issues and all the consequences of that? Well, I think if we have the haves and the have-nots, right? We have the organizations yeah. that have done so well, and we have the organizations that just have struggled through this time and are going to continue to struggle. But, you know, I live in Austin, Texas. It's, it's booming here. It's literally booming yeah. here. I think one issue that all organizations that are growing, 
it's is seeing right now is the do they have the right people and the right roles, right? That's a the, the talent optimization piece is huge going forward. You know, we want to make sure if a company is growing that they've got the right people. And often in a in, you know in a company that's new, relatively new, you know, they brought brought someone in who was perfect for the position at the time, and not so much now. So it's being able to keep that constant who's you know who's who in the zoo, as I call it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's a really, really important element for any organization. And then I think, I, you know, I can't stress this enough. It, the executive team has to be really clear. They need to be able to problem solve, you know, or bring someone in to help them problem solve. You know, I'm, you know I use this methodology, the ambassador. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. It's a really cool problem-solving methodology. No, tell me. Yeah, it's actually a guy, Min Bassiter, out of um, Toronto, but he was with Procter & Gamble in uh, Cincinnati mm-hmm. and did his PhD um, while he was at uh, Procter & Gamble and, and developed this really cool uh, methodology that they use all through Procter & Gamble now. And, you know, they've, they've done well with it. And it's really just about being very clear on what you're trying to solve and making sure you've looked at all the possibilities. And if you do, if you do what you think you're going to do, will that be really the answer? Because I think people, this is the, you know, the issue with a lot of teams is they're trying to get to consensus pretty quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. And we make sure that uh, everyone has a voice in the decision-making process, but that the decisions are well backed up. Yeah. I always find that it's, um, it's not just about having the right decision. It's about people backing <laughs> that decision and, and actually going to execute on it. You know, it's getting that buy-in and that enrollment in the, you know, on the team is, is, is oftentimes the big challenge. That's right. So, you know, I like that I'll, I'll say one other thing about the teams and this came up in my survey and this is just given we, we haven't had a roadmap for a pandemic. Trust in a team and accountability team really, really were emphasized in the results of the survey. And I know from doing like 360 feedback on, on CEOs that, you know, that this, you know, not to underestimate the power of trust within a team. Mm-hmm. As she just said, you know, people kind of want to fast forward that. Um, but being able to really take that time and make sure that the priorities are right and that you've got the right people to execute on the priorities, the timelines are reasonable. Like that's, it doesn't sound complicated, but when you get human beings in a room with their own opinions, it can, <laughs> it can be a free-for-all, right? Yeah. So I think yeah. you know, that, that's, that's what organizations that are successful are really pointing to right now. Yeah, that's excellent. And what advice would you give leaders who are, you know, in service-based companies, they're looking to grow and scale, things that you suggest they really look at to make sure things are working well before they, you know, accelerate their growth process? Any typical things that you'd look at or typical things that uh, you see being a challenge for some of these companies that you suggest leaders think about? Well, one of the things Drew and I looked at and we've implemented several times is it doesn't matter if you're healthy or not healthy or you consider yourself healthy or not healthy let's find out what your employees think yeah you know we really want to get a sense of where where people are today 
right? And, and maybe where they are down the road, I mean, three months from now, six months from now. And if a, if a survey comes from an internal source, it's not good. You're not going to get a clarity. It has to come from external because right? you're just people are just not that all, that open and, and honest. But yeah, I think you know, really find out what's going on with the people in your your organization. Because they're the ones that you know you need to count on. I think that's a really uh, important element. And then you can't say enough about um, you know the executive team looking at the priorities. Yeah, no, I think I think you hit it, which is being self aware, right? And so and realizing that just what you see as a CEO or even what you see on the, as a leadership team may not be true throughout the organization. I find a lot of a lot of the drama and a lot of the you know, friction that comes up with the growth process is because, you know, the leadership team is out there ahead with a vision and a clear sense of strategy and where they want to go and why they want to get there and how they're going to get there. And then you talk to the rest of the organization and they're just blind, right? They don't, they, it hasn't been communicated down. And, you know, the leadership team feels like, oh, well, we, we mentioned it in a town hall. It was like, well, you know, that's not enough. <laughs> like it has to be a regular communication that's iterated and elaborated on on a regular basis with questions and discussion. Like you've, you've got to create that connective tissue throughout the organization or things are just going to get too strung apart as you grow and scale. And, and that's what's going to lead to this, to the drama and to the, you know, to the challenges that come up when you, particularly when you start growing. So yeah, I think you're, I think you're right on that. Oh, I totally agree with that. And you know, what I find is that, that often the leaders of an organization get frustrated because they, as, as you say, we said it in the tunnel, you know, I, I always say to my clients, you need to communicate at least seven, the, the message seven yeah. times before you can get frustrated. Like, don't, this is going to set you up to think seven times. And if you still have someone who doesn't understand what you're trying to do, that's a whole different story. But really, people need yeah. to have that repetition. The first thing, you yeah. know, they, it won't hold or they're, you know, it's like, it's as if the brain is looking for evidence all the time, right? So it's like mm-hmm. they, they need to have evidence that, yes, this is the way it is. Yeah, you know, exactly. So that's, yeah, but I, I think that it's, it can be frustrating, you know, it can be frustrating for an organization. And that's why, you know, it's good for them to have that sort of plan in place. Okay, this is how we're going to communicate over the next six mm-hmm. months. Yeah, exactly. And then we're going to double it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's just like budgets. Yeah. <laughs> think about how much it's going to cost, then double the number. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh, Barbara, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best place to get that information? Uh, my company is Elevate Organizations. So it's elevateorganizations.com. And my email is Barbara at elevateorg.com or elevateorganizations.com. Great. I'll make sure that the, the links are in the show notes here so people can click through and then get that. Oh, and also, if anyone wants to participate in this study, they're more than welcome. Um, oh, there's yes. no charge for that. They can just email me, barbara at elevateorg.com, and I can send them a link to the survey. Or if they want to do this for their organization, they can just uh, you know uh, send me their details, and I'm happy to send that out. The more, the merrier. Yeah. No, perfect. I, I love data, so. I encourage everyone to go go fill that out, add to the population, see how you relate to the population. Always great to kind of benchmark yourself against what other people are doing. Well, so and I, and this, this, uh, I just want to say this survey methodology sure got me excited. It's a servature and it's at the University of Tennessee, but it's um, just servature with an S dot com. And it's, I just, it's a drag and drop methodology. They, oh, it's, interesting. It's, it's developed by the computer science 
department, as well as the head of, or one of the senior people, um, is psychology prof. So there's a whole psychology element to this as well. So it makes it so unique to see what your clients are thinking or your employees are thinking. It's really quite amazing. That's great. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll put the link in the notes to that as yeah, well. Yeah, it's S U R V A T U R E. Barbara, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was so much fun. All the best. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.